G'day. Come on, you can do better than that. G'day. G'day. There you go. Now I like that. Makes me feel at home. How about you, Scott? Well, we're going to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to talk about hope for the nations. And before we go any further, you know, I was a little disappointed this morning. I was expecting somebody during the question and answer time to ask me if I've ever eaten kangaroo. I have, and I like it. It was grilled, and it was very delicious. But I found out very quickly that I couldn't eat a lot of it. It makes me really jumpy. Some of you are there with me, and some of you are on the other side. I got you. All right, so, you know, I thought I needed to share that with you because that's very important to let people know about kangaroo meat. But I... uh, as we're turning to Matthew chapter 9, I wanted to share a quick story with you. Something that I'd, I'd heard a long time ago, and I thought, you know, it's great. Do you, do you enjoy being happy in God's house? Yeah, I think you do, because I've seen uh, so many people as they walk by, and they've greeted us. So many of you have. And I've got to tell you, I so appreciate that, and I appreciate your love for missions. I appreciate your pastor's heart, because it shows a church that really cares not only about their community right here, but around the world. And I think we need to be happy people, people who are excited for the Lord, people who love the Lord, and it shows on their faces. I'm going to uh, eventually tell you some stories that will reflect a little bit of of my approach to Australian and Australians in particular. But before I get to that, I have to share with you a quick story about Dr. Geezer. Looking at me kind of strange there. Well, Dr. Geezer was a Uh, He retired from the medical profession and he decided that he was bored. So he decided to open up a small clinic just down the street from uh, Dr. Young. And his clinic sign would read, Dr. Geezer's Clinic, get your treatment for $500. If not cured, get back $1,000. Well, Dr. Young, who is positive that this old geezer didn't know anything about medicine, thought he would go out and get himself $1,000. So he goes into Dr. Geezer's Clinic and here's what happened. Dr. Young says, Dr. Geezer, I've lost all taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Geezer says, hmm, nurse, please bring me medicine from box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young goes, yuck, this is gasoline. Dr. Geezer goes, congratulations, you got your taste back. That'll be $1,000. Dr. Young is quite annoyed at this point. And goes back after a couple of days figuring he's going to try to get back some of that money that he gave away. And he goes in there again to Dr. Geezer's office and he says, Dr. Geezer, I have lost my memory. I can't remember anything. Dr. Geezer says to his nurse, nurse, please bring me box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. And of course, Dr. Young says, oh, no, you don't. That's gasoline. (laughs) Dr. Geezer says that'll be a thousand dollars. Well, that's uh, Dr. Young has really had it at this point. He figures out, I'm, I've just got to get some, I've got to get my money back. He goes back there, he says to Dr. Geezer, one more time, my eyesight has become so weak, I can hardly see anything. Dr. Geezer says, well, I don't think I have any medicine for that, so I'll give you your $1,000 back. And he gave him a $10 bill. <laughs> Dr. Young, as you can imagine, says, wait, this is only $10. And Dr. Geezer says, congratulations, that'll be $1,000. I got to tell you, you got to watch out for those more mature people, shouldn't we? Can't, can't really uh, beat them a lot of times. And I find myself getting closer to that age, so I hope that I'll be one of those guys one day. I want to uh, start off by saying again that I am privileged to be able to speak here in this church and to share God's word with you. 
And we're about to go to Matthew chapter 9, as I said, but before we do, I would like to approach uh, the Lord and ask him to be upon our time. Dear Heavenly Father, I do feel the responsibility and the weight that is upon my shoulders as I prepare to share this message this evening. And I'd ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will use me in a mighty way to proclaim it. I ask for each person that is here, please help us, Lord, to cast out the thoughts and cares of this world and to focus on you tonight, Jesus, as we hear from your word. Thank you for saving us and dying us for us on the cross. In your name I pray, amen. Verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9 says, And Jesus went about all the, villages, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now verses 2 and following uh, start to name the disciples, so skip with me down to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth. That's where we'll stop right there. Tonight, I want to start off by giving you five S's, five words that start with the letter S that relate to missions. They all start with it. And the first thing that we're going to see is to, for any church to have hope for the nations, they have to be a seeing church. As we see here in this passage of scripture in verse 36, it says, but when Jesus saw the multitudes, he looked out into the crowd and he saw the people. He saw them who they were. He was moved with compassion on them. I, when I look at this world, or when you look at this world, how do you see people? How do, how do we see them as we go through our days? You know, I'm, I'm serious about it. When I go into, as I was about to share with you just a few minutes ago, when I go into Walmart or anything in Australia, Kmart or whatever it may be, uh, Woolworths, shopping centers, whatever it may be over there, I go in with an in, intent purpose upon my mind is to look at people, to see them. To see the needs that they have. To try to observe them and try to share in some way or another the love of Jesus. Now, if I have an opportunity, I witness to them. A lot of times I go in there and I'm smiling. I like to smile. Anybody else here like to smile? Yes. You know, I'm also... Can I take a little break for a quick second here? Um, In Australia, because we start churches, we have people that we lead to the Lord who never had any kind of interaction with church whatsoever. So in Australia, I created a sign... And on the sign, on one side it would say, Amen. And you flip it around, the other side would praise the Lord. So I would all the time, I'd be preaching, I'd grab that sign, I'd hold it up. And everybody would go, Amen. I I need that feedback. I need that. So what I'm going to do with you is, I left my sign in Australia. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to raise this hand, that means Amen. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. And this side's praise the Lord. All right. Now, don't do what I did one time. I was saying to the guys, I said, I'm about to be done here in just a second. And somebody said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Don't go there on me if you wouldn't, please. Do you see your friends and loved ones, you know, going to hell? And do you weep for them? That's when you truly see people. When you have a heart of compassion for them. And you see them as people who are desperately in need of Jesus Christ. They need the forgiveness of sins. And when I have led people to the Lord in Australia, I love to see their tears flowing because I know they truly understand what it means to be forgiven. Amen. All right, that was a test for you there. 
We see that Jesus was moved with compassion here. And have you ever thought about how God sees people in this world? Let's look at them. We see bodies. Jesus sees them as souls. Amen? Yes. We see them as sinners, and Jesus sees them as saints to be. Right? Yeah. We see them as cursed by sin, but Jesus sees them as cured by the cross. We see them different from ourselves. The color of skin, culture, the way they talk. I mean, you've got a a glimpse of how people talk in Australia. So you understand there are differences, but Jesus looks at people as all the same. We we also look at people and we see, as I said, colors of skin. But what? let me ask you, what color is a soul? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. What color is it? We look at people as uninterested and unreachable. They don't care if we invite them to church. Jesus looks at people as thirsty and hungered for the truth. You know, you might say, well, Chris, how do we know that people are hungered and thirsted for the truth? Well, in Australia, I received a note from a young man just before we left there. His name was Ian. And he wrote this note to me. And I I cherish this note so great, greatly. And I want to share with you what he wrote to me. He said, I've got it memorized. I've got it memorized. But he said, dear Pastor Chris. Thank you for introducing me to my first church that was filled with love and joy. That part kind of broke my heart a little bit there because that was the first church he'd ever been to that had shared with him love and joy. And then he went on to say, uh, without you, I would not have met the Lord. And for this, I'm eternally grateful. Love Ian. You see, that's how I look at people and I see them today. They're thirsty and hungry. They don't know what they're thirsty and hungry for. But that's our job is to tell them the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. This young man, Ian, he was so hungered and thirsted. And now he has love and joy and he's on his way to heaven because of missionaries going around the world and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all... You're commanded to do that right here in this community, aren't you? Amen? Yeah, you are. Sometimes it is Christians who are looking for a church like Bernie and Margaret who came into our church in their 70s. And they said to me, oh, Pastor Chris, thank you for coming here and starting this church. We have been without a church for years and now we have a great church to go to. And it was encouraging and exciting to hear that from those folks. Now, again, at verse 36, he says, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We look at people and we see them as being self-sufficient. They have it all together. But I've got to tell you, those are all facades. People today are a complete mess, aren't they? You can see that as you watch, watch society. And as, as Pastor was talking about on Facebook, some of the people who portray themselves as having it all together are so messed up. It's only through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit working in our lives can we become more complete, more like Jesus. Jesus looks at people as though they're sheep without a shepherd, wandering and lost. Most people today, as I said, they look like they have it all together, but they're so lost. They have no clue as to what comes after life. One of the things that I see in Australia all the time is when I'm out witnessing to people and I talk to them about God, they say, oh, mate, I got my own religion. I don't need that. I don't care what you got to say and so forth like that. But every time I see them on television and they, they've had a loved one who's died, guess what they'll always say? Well, I know my, me, I, go, I know my mom's up there looking down at me. And I go, where? You know, and they don't really think about what they're saying. So they do have some kind of belief that there is something after this life. But they won't admit it to you. They have no clue as to what it is. And that's our job is to share Jesus Christ and to share what there is after life. And they have no clue as to how to live their life right now. Look at this world and you will see a lost and confused world. We, we look at people as though they're going to live and they're never going to die. But Jesus sees people as dying and never going to live until they have him as their savior. Yeah, yes, amen.
I got to tell you, I want you to turn over to Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 16 with me, if you would there. I'll be there in just a second. But many times our first desire is to try to meet the physical needs of people. And there's nothing wrong with helping out people when they're down and out. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I think Jesus here sets the example for us when he tells us that we need to look at the heart and see their spiritual need more importantly. I'm not saying again that we don't care about them physically, but their really great need is to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We need to look at people as the way God looks at people. Now, to be a church that has a hope for the nations, the second S that we need to have is we need to be a C-sensing church or a compassionate church. And and go back to verse 36. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, a lot of people wonder, or they'll, they'll say, how do you get compassion? Well, you can look at people and then you can see that. But I think the best way to get compassion is to get down among people. And to be there to help them in their time of need. I mean, we can sit back and we can watch everything that's going on over there at Fort Myers and everything else over there. And we can have, oh boy, that's really sad. But when you get over there and you start working with them, you truly, your heart truly becomes open. And it's the same way with the gospel. If I were to sit in my office all the time and just send out Facebook stuff or whatever, I really would never have that great of a compassion for people. But when we invite them into our home, and share food with them, and talk with them, and learn about them, that's when we truly get compassion for people. (coughs) There has to be, you know, more than just simply getting out and looking at people. We have to get down on our needs. You can only see it when you're out there among the lost. And most of you will never have an opportunity to go to Australia. I wish that we could have every one of you over there to, to see the need. There... I would say in Australia, probably less than 5% is what I believe the, the, the true number of Christians are in Australia. It's a country that is caught up in materialism. And they do have a lot of wealth. I mean, obviously, if you can buy them, take an F-150 pickup truck over there, spend $150,000 for one, and that's what they cost over there. You've got to have some kind of money. Uh, missionaries can go where you cannot go. They are your eyes to places you'll never see. You know, we as missionaries come and share our burdens and our works so that you can personally get involved with it. And support is how we do that, through prayer support. And by the way, I want to ask you something here. Make sure I got one. Yes, I do. Please pick these up on our table. One lady came to us this morning. She had our original prayer card after all these years. And I was so great to see that she still had that and still was praying for us. We desperately need your prayers. That's the greatest thing you can ever do to help us out is pray for us. So please pick these up. Put them anywhere. Put them on the fridge. Put them on the nightstand. Whatever it may be that you visit the most. And put it in the middle of your TV. No, I'm teasing. You won't do that. You know, you get to see the souls that were saved through missions work when we share our videos. Ultimately, we want people to know that their need is Jesus Christ. That's why we go there. That's why we start works and churches and so forth. That's why we we invite people into our homes. And here in Lamentations, as I'm talking about compassion, look with me at Lamentations 1 and verse 16. (coughs) For these things I weep. Mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water. Jeremiah had compassion, but you could say he got compassion because his eye had seen what was going on at this time. His eye had affected his heart. And that's why he is called the weeping prophet. You know, tears are liquid emotion. 
I stand here today, a man who wants to share with you the needs of Australians. And I'm going to share some stories about people who were saved and led to the Lord through missions. And I've got to tell you, each time I share them, my heart's excited. I'm praising the Lord that we know people who are now going to heaven, who never had an opportunity to, but through missions work, they now will stand there one day next to you in heaven and we'll all be shouting for glory. Amen to that. Praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Good job. When I um, see them, I, I'm reminded time and time again. And it reminds me a lot of times of the suffering and so forth. When we were in Australia, uh, I had, I, I contracted pneumonia. And I went to the hospital, but they told me it was a flu. And there's socialized medicine over there. So if that tells you anything. So I went home that day and I spent the next five days at home suffering. My temperature got to 106. And my wife, uh, I was telling her about the reason why I said to her, honey, I know exactly what's going on. There's a creature in our roof and it's sucking the life out of me. And I've trapped it in the drawer. I honestly believe that everything. And so she, she goes, what? I said, look in that drawer. There it is. And she opens the drawer and there's nothing there, obviously. And she says, I'm calling the ambulance. <laughs> this time I went to the hospital and said, oh, you've got pneumonia. I think I spent something like close to 10 days in the hospital uh, near death with that 106 temperature. Lost a lot of memories. For a while there, I had a really hard time speaking. And some of you might say, well, you still got that problem. No, hopefully you're not saying that. No amens. Thank you. But as I'm, I'm in that hospital and I'm suffering through this, I'm asking the Lord, what's going on? I mean, we're, we're missionaries. We're here on, on this country serving you, Lord. Why am I going? You know what? Isn't that the question we all tend to ask God when things don't go our way? When we don't get the things that we want and, or the things that we should, think we should have? You know, we can ask God and question God all we want. So they sent me home. The next morning, I went right back into the hospital again. I was still not well. This time they put me in a room and they forgot that I was even there. Yeah, socialized medicine. <laughs> so my wife is there. And she's like, they've forgotten you. I said, no, no, they haven't. And finally she says, I'm going to go get a nurse. She got a nurse. The nurse comes in, looks in the room, goes, oh, she didn't even know I was there. <laughs> so that, then they, uh, the doctors came in and everything. And finally they got me well. But it was a great uh, example of how really and truly everything was through the Lord's doing and not through the hospital or man's doing. We're there because God has called us to, and it's up to him to take care of us and see us through it all. And when I talk about compassion, I think that we get a greater compassion whenever we perhaps suffer from pneumonia. And we come out of that and we know what it means to be in the hospital for nearly 15 days and so forth like that. Our, I, I, we had compassion for our neighbor, Lucille. Uh, boy, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but... <laughs> I'm going to show you some pictures here at the end of my sermon that will give you a little bit more of an idea. But I'll go ahead and tell you about Lucille. She was our neighbor, and we had witnessed to her for, for seems like, four years straight on. And in Australia, my experience has been it takes four to five years to win someone to the Lord. It's how long it takes for you to do that. So we had witnessed to her and witnessed to her, and finally she came to church. And I can see her sitting there, and I'm praying as I'm preaching, Lord, convict her heart, help her to see. And I'd love to be able to tell you that, that she, answered, she came to me afterwards, and I said to her, Lucille, what do you think about Jesus Christ? Do you know that you need him? Do you know that you need a forgiveness of sins? And she says, you know, I'm looking for answers. And, and here's the sad part. She says, and I think you have them, but I'm just not ready yet. And my heart sank. But I don't quit. I don't quit. I don't give up because the scripture says sometimes all we do is plant 
Sometimes we water and sometimes we get to reap. Amen. But that time we didn't reap that. I wish I could tell you that everyone that I witnessed to get saved. Now I'm going to go over to Romans chapter 10 in your Bibles, if you would put with me, please. And you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. You've probably heard this passage of scripture before when it relates to missions. But compassion without action is just sympathy. Compassion without action is just sympathy. Compassion would see someone and invite them to church. Amen. All right, some of you are paying attention, some of you are turning, so I'll, I'll let you go on that one. We hear the Lord telling us to invite that person to church, and sometimes we don't follow through on that. But I've got to tell you what, when you hear the Lord prodding you to do it, don't miss that opportunity. Invite that person to church. You'll never be upset. Sure, you, I've had doors slammed in my face. I've had people yell at me. But I walk away smiling because I've done what God commanded me to do. And that's all that I'm commanded by Him. Compassion is seeing the, the people in our videos and having a greater action to do more than we can. But here, Apostle Paul tells us in Romans ten fourteen, How then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, isn't that true? It's true. That's what missions is all about. You're sending out missionaries around the world to be your representation in the countries that they're going to. That's a great plan. That's an awesome plan. That is not something that I created or something that even, uh, you know, this church has created. It's something that comes from God's word. Missions is the heart of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. You know, in, in Nepal, they have these cylindrical wheels. And you, I, I watch these people as they come into their, their temple in Nepal and they grab a hold of these wheels and they spin them and they walk down, spinning, 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 and then they walk out of their temple. One thing I noticed was when I watched these people as they were walking into the temple, their faces were empty. There was no hope really in their heart and in their life, in their eyes at all. And guess what, what I saw when they came out? The same despair, the same hopelessness. You know, I, I, I look at those people and I have compassion for them. I want them to know Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm trying to tell you, that's what Jesus Christ here did in this passage of Scripture. He had compassion upon the people. He knew there was no hope. I see people all over America, guess what, coming into churches who are doing the same thing. I, I get to visit churches all over this country. And when I go into a church, I'm sad to say that I see people who come into church and their faces are empty. I don't understand that when I get to come in and when I get to hear, especially, man, what an incredible presentation that you guys have here of of people who are able to give God the glory through singing and through playing of instruments. That's really a blessing over there. You're stuck with me. (laughs) And uh, I told those guys back there, I said, please don't have my mic on when I'm singing. (laughs) But my wife, thank goodness, she's able to pick up for me on that part. But we had we have. People who come in all the time who have been beaten up by the world in our churches. And I know sometimes it can be hard and you force yourself in. But when you step into God's house, you should remember where you came from. Amen to that? Yes. We need to remember where the Lord brought us out of. Where we were at. Without hope. Without salvation. And then we get to come into God's house and hear the preaching of God's word. That should bring joy into everyone's life. Well, you know... Okay, I've, I've laid some uh, pretty bad eggs sometimes, I guess you might say, if when I preached. Don't say amen on that, honey. 
But I, I know that it's been through my power, not through the Lord's. I always want to preach through his power. He does a much better job. Amen, Pastor? He does. And I want you to know today that whenever God's word is preached, no matter how bad the speaker is, we can get something because this is the living word of God. Yes, it is. Boy, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of slowing down my, my message here. I, I just want us to know we need to spread the hope around the world. That's what missions is, to spread the hope of Jesus Christ around the world. How can I increase my missions giving? Well, I, that's up to you and that's between you and the Lord. But there be a hope, a church that has hope for the nations. Number three, we need to be a supplicating church or a praying church. Look with me at verse 38. Jesus says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Are we praying for workers today? Do you realize that we are losing more missionaries today than we've ever lost in the history? They're, they're getting older and there's no one coming up to take their place. You know, you might look at me as a young, good looking guy, but hey, you know, there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> I'm just joking. There's a lot of people out there who could come in and help and learn to take the place because I'm not going to be there forever. And we're really, we're in desperate need of them in Australia Especially with COVID. I know of a missionary family who've been trying for four years to get to Australia. They raised all of their support and then they applied for their visas. And because of COVID, the government said, no, you can't come. That's sad. We needed a young couple to come over there and help out. So pray for workers. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. That's what we need to be doing daily. Praying for that. Go to Acts chapter 9 in your Bibles. As I uh, travel this country today, I see less and less people who are surrendering to the call. Now, sometimes I see that it's things get in the way. It could be a job. It could be money. It could be parents sometimes. My parents are, it's another thing you can pray about. My parents, my dad just turned 80 this year. And when you go away for four or five years, at that age, you don't really know what you're coming, going to be able to see them again. So, you know, that's something else you can pray about too. But the call of God, there is nothing greater. When God calls you to do something, he will equip you. And when he's called you to do something, you really can't do anything else in life and be satisfied. If you can do anything else in life and be satisfied, then you're not called. But if you feel the call of God, you will never be happy unless you follow it. I'm not trying to be negative on you. I'm just letting you know the truth of it. So I would ask you to do that. No one who ever listened to the call of God ever regretted it. There are bad things that happen. Sure. There there are difficult times. Sure there are, just as it would. But I would rather have difficult times in God's will than difficult times out of God's will. Amen to that? Yeah. You know that God is bidding you to go? Please go. Please do that. Are the, uh, you know, I, I, the most effective way to get involved is prayer. I, I, want you to, I want to say that to you again. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We need it. We desire it. Every one of us do. <clears throat> God blesses those who are tireless. So whatever you may be face, facing right now, don't give up. Because we need Americans and in the church, people who show good old-fashioned stick to I don't know if that's really a word, but I like it. I like it. Stick to itiveness. You know, okay, maybe a made up word, but that's it needs to be something that we are all tireless in God's work. Continuing on. When you travel from 
Florida all the way through to Missouri or Illinois and it gets long and it takes you two days to do that and so forth driving. You know, it gets old. But I got to tell you, I still love it. After all these years, nearly, <clears throat> excuse me, 18 years now that we've been missionaries, and I still love going out and sharing what God has called us to do in Australia. I find no greater joy than telling you how God has moved and people are saved in Australia because of missions. That's, that's exciting stuff to me. Do you believe that one? Praise the Lord. Yeah, yes. So we need that, you know, God, uh, we need to pray, pray for our politicians. Oh my goodness. I don't want to get into politics, but can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, wow, that's a really bad one, isn't it? <clears throat> you need to pray for your pastor each and every day. Yeah, and for the staff each and every day. God wants to take, uh, Satan wants to tear down this church, and the best way he can do that is to start at the top. So pray that he's protected. You know, Satan will always start with that. We need to pray for physical health and spiritual health. And uh, we need to pray for the pastors, you know, all around this, all the staff and their, their wives, too. Don't forget their wives. And the, the wife knows her husband so well. Thank you. He's always ready to jump on that one. People leave churches all the time because they're upset over the silliest of things. I don't want to get into that too much. But instead of praying for the pastor and helping him out, they up and leave. What about uh, our souls of our city? We need to pray for this city so much, don't we? Each and every night to pray that people here in Jupiter, Florida will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because when I drive around, I see people who are messed up. And they truly need Jesus Christ. Do you understand how difficult it is to live in different cultures? Most missionaries will tell you some of the things I'm about, will never tell you some of the things I'm about to tell you. But I want you to know how to pray. When I ask you to pray, I want you to know some things that that you could pray for because it's always when you live in a new culture or a different culture it's always the little things of that culture that get you down most people when they go to australia they go okay i've got to drive on the left side of the road i can handle that you know i know that but over there they don't believe in personal space very much that's my experience when i'm walking down the supermarket I, i i don't know why it is but it's like i have a target on me because everybody wants to bump into me in the, in the supermarkets or in the shopping centers over there. And I'm going, what's going on? Why is this? And I have to understand that the people don't really, when they, and it's not like a real smashing into you. It's just a slight bump. But it's, I look at it like, what are you doing? What's going on? And they're going on their merry way. They don't even know what happened. They're oblivious to it. But one time my wife, and my wife, I'm going to tell some stories that she experienced because I grew up in Australia, so I didn't have these difficulties, but she did. And she's given me permission to share them with you. But one time she was there in the shopping uh, center in the, in the store and she was opening the freezer door and she was looking at something she was going to get. When all of a sudden a lady walks up behind her, reaches over her shoulder, grabs something, takes it and walks away. And my wife goes like this. And she's wondering, what is going on here? Why did that was really rude? She came back and she was steaming. Yeah, and I said to her, honey, that's not rude here. That's just the way we do it in Australia. That's, it's not rude, but in America it might be, but not there. It isn't. So she went uh, this other time to the gro- uh, grocery store. She was checking out some apples. And uh, the, app, the lady says, delicious? And my wife goes, oh, yes, they are. They're very good. And the lady stood there and looked at her for a while. Scott, you probably know this one. And she goes, no, are they delicious the kind of apples are called delicious. And so my wife thought she was asking if they tasted good. So she was quite embarrassed. One time she's there and she's, uh, she's about to pay. And the lady says to her, well, lean on this. 
my wife looks at her like, what do you mean, lean on this? What, what are you talking about? Lean on this! And she was telling her to put her hand down there so she could sign for the credit card. But she felt foolish about that. That's the things that most, most missionaries have problems with those things. You don't realize that when you go to a country, those are the little things that embarrass you the most. Now, I still sometimes turn a corner and I go, what side of the road am I supposed to be on? And guess what? Everybody lets you know. <laughs> and they always say I'm number one. You might understand that here in a little bit. <laughs> one, uh, one time my wife, when we arrived in Australia, my wife was asking a lady in our church by the name of Karen, and you'll see her picture, or you saw her this morning. And she said to her, I'm looking for a really good place to buy meat at. Do you, do you have a good butcher around here? And Karen says, oh, yes, there's a place just down the road, but it's very, it's deer. It's deer. And my wife goes, what? Oh, I, I don't want deer meat. I want beef. And she starts laughing. She's laughing so hard. Because in Australia, deer means it's expensive. So she was telling her it's expensive meat. And my wife thought it was deer meat, the kind that hops around, you know, and little tails and so forth. But I, I, I want you to know these things because I want you to understand most missionaries will not make it past their first term if they're not going to stay in the country because of these little things that pile up on them and adjusting to a new culture. We've been in Australia for about, uh, well, I, I think it was probably about six months, but my wife will say maybe three months. And I said to her, it's your turn to go drive by yourself in Australia on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car with a stick shift. And she goes, no. So she went to the supermarket and I didn't know this till later, but she came home and she shared with me later that she had cried the whole time because she was so afraid of what she was doing that she might injure somebody over there. And it was, it was really a, a scary thing for her to do. And these, I, I, again, I'm sharing these because these are things that you need to know how to pray for missionaries about. That they can adjust to where they live and be successful, if we want to use that word, as missionaries in their country. Driving on the left side of the road, I tell you, it's a new experience. Isn't that right? Or, of course, you had to learn how to drive over here, didn't you? But Sonia had heard... Uh, a story one time that she felt that everywhere she went, she told me, everybody knows I'm an American. Everybody can see it when I walk around. They think I'm an American. I said, they don't know until you start talking. Yeah. When I go into a store, I'm a short guy, right? No, okay. I have a, a low voice. It's kind of a, you know, I go into a store and everybody's just standing there and they're all in line and I'm standing there. Then I walk up to the counter and as soon as I go, yeah, can I have, and everybody in the place goes like that. Because this yank is there. And it's kind of like, okay, what did I do now? You know? <laughs> but I want you to know, we love being missionaries. I'm, I'm telling you these things not to complain, by the way. I love being a missionary. I love what God has called us to do. And also I want to say one more thing too. Pray for the missionary kids. You know, a lot of them come back to America. They don't know America. They don't know how to adjust here. And they need a lot of prayer and a lot of help when that comes. A, a, a constant... Uh, thing that I, I try to tell everyone that I meet is the kids of missionaries need extra prayer. I say that because I was one. And when I came back, it was really hard for me to adjust. I didn't feel like I, I, I really belonged in Australia. And when I came back here, I didn't feel like it either. So I'd ask you to pray with them, uh, pray for them. Now, the next thing I want to get to, and this is the, 
I'm going to skip that passage of scripture because I've gone along with my stories here. But I want to get to some of these pictures here in just a second. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm, we need to be a hope for the nations because we need to be a sending church. In verse 10 or chapter 10, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth. We need to be churches that send out missionaries. Amen to that. Amen. Yes, we need to do that. Then also when we get to it, we need to be a hope, a church that has hope for the nations. We need to be a supporting church. Missionaries need your support. They can't live over there. You've seen what it is. By the way, when I tell people about $30 a dozen, that's an old price for Krispy Kremes. And if you want to bring by some gift cards, I will not turn them down. (laughs) I just want us to see these pictures of some of these folks. Can you put those up on the screen for me, please? This is Karen. I showed you her earlier this morning. She came into our church with her husband, and she had never been to church before. Her husband was saved as a child, and then he left the work of the Lord, uh, the church of the Lord, and then he brought his family back in. He wanted her to be saved. Show the next picture, please. This is her. This is the excitement. I should have put this one in the video because she's so excited that she's accepted Jesus Christ. And that's the change. Can you go back to the previous one? Look at her face there. Now this next one. And look what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. And this is her and her husband right there. This is Matt. Now go to the next one, please. Now I made him go too forward, forward and back, and so the next one doesn't work. All right, here, this is Emma, our neighbor. We worked with her for five years, invited her to church. She would not come. Finally, after loving on her, inviting her into our home, feeding her, playing with her kids, she came to Mother's Day. I was preaching the Word of God. I gave the invitation, and Emma came forward and got saved, and so did her son, Zach. That's the power of God. Amen. Go to the next picture, please. This was Selwyn and Lene. You saw them in the picture. I told you about how they came to church and they were just so excited. And they said, we've never seen a church like this. Can we come back? The first thing I didn't tell you was I said, no. And they like, and I said, of course you can. I'm just joking. They came back that the, the brother there, he came from Brisbane. He was in the military in Australia. He also got saved and came to know the Lord. Next picture, please. This is Selwyn and Lene being baptized in a, lo- in a pool of one of our members. Next picture, please. This is Leon. Leon and her mother, her Japanese, she came to church with her mother for years, and my wife was able to lead her to the Lord. The next picture, please. This is Adrian. I told you about him. Tears streaming down his eyes as I shared the plan of salvation with him. And literally, below him was a pool of water from his salvation. Amen to that. I don't know if I've got a couple more there. Do I have them? Yes, this is our church group meeting together. These are all people because of missions. Go to the next one, please. This is our church camp. We get together and we have camp together. And these folks all came to know Jesus Christ through missions. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a praise the, Lord? praise the Lord? We don't ever want to quit. We always want to be a church that has hope for the nations. Dear Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity I've had to share your word. And if there's anybody here who needs to follow you, Lord and become a missionary or a pastor or a pastor's wife or a missionary wife. I pray, Lord, that they might heed that call. They will not say no to you, Lord, and find the true happiness that only you can be by, uh, by following after you, Lord. And if there's someone here today who said, you know, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never been forgiven of my sins. May they do that tonight and find freedom from sin. In your name I pray. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. 
May the Lord bless you.